From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Angry and Negative Show. I am your host, Negative Dan the Flyer fan. With me, as always, he is the Angry and My Negative, Mr. Angry Jim. How you doing tonight, Jim? Fan friggin' tastic, Dan. Thanks for asking. That's good. Well, so are the Flyers, kind of. They are 32-26-8 in their last 66 games. They have 72 points, still on the outside looking in. They are 11 points out of first place, 6 points out of third place, which is held by Carolina, 5 points out of the second wildcard spot, which is actually a tie between Pittsburgh and Montreal right now. Their playoff odds are up to 5.8%. Considering last Monday when we sat down, they were at 1.7%. They have gone up considerably, but, uh, you know, Still kind of on the outside looking in. Since that show, they have gone 3-0-1 and looked pretty decent during that stretch. And they've done this without Carter Hart, obviously. Uh, they have beat they beat Buffalo 5-2. They had an overtime loss to the Blue Jackets 4-3. They beat New Jersey 6-3. And then they beat the Islanders 4-1. What do you think of the Flyers in the last week of their games? You know, I'm I'm actually really happy with the way they responded uh, after that week they had, where you know they got the doors uh, the doors blown off against Tampa Bay and and uh, pretty much the same thing against Montreal. It could have been really easy to to pack it in, um, but luckily they they had the outside game, which I think you know could be a mini turning point. You know, it was one of the bigger games of the year. Um, ended up being Wayne Simmons' last game as a Flyer, so it was a pretty emotional game, and uh, I think it woke a couple guys up. Not just the game, but I think uh, trading a guy like Wayne Simmons. Uh, I'm not I'm not blaming anything on Simmer, um, but it, it looks to me like maybe guys were expecting him to step up in certain situations. Uh, whereas now it's kind of like okay, we have to do this ourselves now. You know what I mean? So it looks like a couple guys have woken up a little bit. Uh, you're seeing guys stick up for each other. You know, it's it's. It's not okay. Well, Simmer's going to go out there and take care of business. It's I got to step up and I got to take care of my own shit, or I got to help this guy out. You know what I mean? So you're looking at guys like TK step his game up. Um, you're seeing guys like Oscar Lindblom play a little bit tougher around the net, scoring some dirty goals. JVR is putting a couple pucks in the net, uh, and then you know you have guys that have been doing it all year, still doing it. And in Claude Giroux, uh, Jake Voracek, who we'll talk more about later on. Uh, and TK is fine in the back of the net, you know. In the beginning of the year, he couldn't score a goal to save his life. He kept hitting all the friggin' posts, but you know he's putting a puck in the net, and it's paying off. Yeah, Travis Konechny, uh He has three goals and two assists in his last four games. He has been a physical presence. He has been kind of the you know on ice you know physicality leader um, in Wayne Simmons' absence. I, I think it's nice to see him take that role as kind of the I, I even hate to use the word anymore, but gritty kind of player. <laughs> you, know, you know that can come in and physically kind of take some of the, the toll, the the stress off of the rest of the team, and he can kind of be in there and step up. I think it's a good thing for him to take that kind of role. You know, he really fell in Dave Haxtell's doghouse early in the year, and even Scott Gordon has done it a couple times. You know, the second the game goes into the third period and they're behind a goal, you know, instantly he's benched. And I think 
him kind of getting used to maybe playing, uh, you know, more of a middle six role, a more physical role, and letting the offense flow like that versus being on the top line with Drew and Couturier. And, you know, the second the gun gets tough, he's on the bench. I think it's good that he's embracing this new role because I think that is a role that he could definitely take moving forward. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Dan. I think I'm not sure if he's a top line guy. I really don't think that he is. If you know, if you want my honest opinion, I think he's more of a second or, or a high end third line guy. Um, you know, you, you've heard comparisons to Brad Marchand when he first came in the league, stuff like that. That would be great. I'm not saying that he can't develop his game and, and be a you know 25, 30 goal scorer every year. Um, but he looks, he, you know, sometimes if you give guys a little bit less, because that playing on that top line with, with Claude Giroux and guys like. Uh, Sean Couturier, that that could be a tough thing for a 22-year-old kid or a 21-year-old kid. So, you know, you're seeing him play with his buddy now. He's got he's carving out a clear role on the team, and, you know, he looks like he's embracing it. So it's great to see. He's an emotional guy. Philly loves guys like that. Hopefully he keeps it up. Yeah, Konechny, he had uh, 24 goals and 23 assists last season. This year he is on pace for, he has uh, 21 goals and 21 assists through 66 games. So, well, more than likely hit new career highs and everything. You know, he does benefit from playing with Jure and Couturier, but at the same time, I think he's fully capable of producing offense on his own. And if he's going to be on lines with, you know, guys like Patrick and Lindblom and, you know, even down on the third line, I I think he's still very capable of producing that offense and he's not going to be labeled as beneficiary type player playing with, you know, the two top guys on the team. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's proven that now. Um, You saw the movie made against uh, the Islanders uh, yesterday. I think he pretty much created that whole, that whole uh, play. So, I mean, he has the skill. He absolutely has the skill. Once once Patrick kind of you know gets his game going a little bit more, um, I think that that could be a deadly combination. Nolan Patrick and, and TK. You put JV, uh, JVR on that line, and all of a sudden you have two solid top lines. Well, you mentioned a little earlier Wayne Simmons. It has been one week since the trade deadline. They traded Wayne Simmons to Nashville for Ryan Hartman and a fourth round pick. Ryan Hartman has played all four games thus far since. The trade, he has one assist. Overall, he's been kind of, just kind of a guy. Uh, You know, he has been a little physical, but, you know, overall, I haven't seen a whole lot out of him that made me go, wow, this guy's going to be something in the future. What are your opinions on Ryan Hartman thus far? So, I mean, I I think on the last show, I compared him to, like, a Scotty Upshaw type guy, right? Um, And maybe that comparison's not, you know, maybe it's not exact because I haven't seen Scotty Upshaw play in a long time. But (laughs) uh, uh, that's who his game kind of reminded me of because, I mean, he's got the physicality. He can be physical. He's got the hands. um, But then there's going to be stretches of games where you might not remember Ryan Hartman's on the team. You know what I mean? So, you know, we have to level our expectations a little bit. Um, I know he came out and he had that monster hit. I mean, it's tough to... Have, like, there's not even a player on the team who has a monster hit like that every game. So, you know, he, he's, he serves a purpose. He, he has a role in the club, and I think, you know, he's needed on the third line. I'm okay pretty much with what I've seen from Ryan Hartman. My, my expectations were never high, um, but I did expect something, and I, I think I'm getting it. You know, he, he set up JVR for a nice goal. I'm not sure Simmer would have been able to do that. Not that I'm comparing the two, but – you know, he's a little bit quicker, he's a little faster, he can create a little bit more than Wayne Simmons could. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've been watching any in Nashville, but pretty much all Simmons is doing out there is standing in front of the goal. You know, he's not really doing much else, um, which as a third-line guy, I think you, you need a little bit more from, from 
uh, your third line guy. Uh, so overall, I'm happy with what I've seen from Hartman. How about you? I, I'm i okay with him. Again, I think you pretty much hit on the head. I think he's just going to go out there and kind of do what he's going to do. I think he's an improved guy. You know, if they are going to resign him, which I, I get the get the uh, feeling that they are. He'll probably be, you know, a good fourth liner, good maybe third liner. Um, Numbers-wise, he is pretty similar to Upshaw. Upshaw was putting in the high teens every year. He didn't. looks like he retired this season, last year. Hmm. Uh, he's been around forever, I feel like. Uh, debuted in 2002. Hey, who did uh who did we I read your article today. Who did we get Scotty Upshaw for? Who did we get Scotty Upshaw for? I think it was uh, in the Forsberg deal, no? Was it? Didn't we, I think I'm pretty I wrote sure this fucking traded, article. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we traded Peter Forsberg and Scotty Upshaw came back. Almost I'll look it up. If you want to keep going, Scotty I'll look it up. Upshaw trade trick. Oh, when they traded him to Nashville. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Ryan. It Perron. all comes full circle on the <laughs> angry and negative show. <laughs> Ryan Parent, Scotty Upshaw, you know, twenty uh, two thousand seven first round pick with Jonathan Blum. Whatever happened to him? I have no idea. Hmm. Didn't the didn't the first round pick end up being like Ryan Parent or something like that? They got Ryan Parent back, and the first round pick was Jonathan Blum. I believe they sent oh, that back oh. to Nashville at some point. Oh, stupid Flyers trades. Scotty Upshaw, Ryan Hartman, Peter Forsberg. Yes. <laughs> We we're talking about Ryan Hartman. Oh, yeah. yeah I, th- <laughs> I think his role in the team is going to be good. I-, I think that, you know, he's going to serve a purpose if they bring him back. You know, that physical fourth line kind of guy. You know, I think he would be much improved over most of the fourth line now and most of the fourth line they've had all season. So I don't think he's going to be some offensive dynamo. But uh, if he can chip in a few points here and there and provide a little bit of physical leadership on the team, I'm not going to complain. Hell, yeah. Absolutely. And that's all I want. I mean... You know, it's, it's pretty simple, dude. Create a little bit of offense and be physical. You know, that's all we need from you. Yep. Well, speaking of physical, the Flyers got a little physical lately and are dealing with a couple of injuries. Nolan Patrick took a puck to the back of the head yesterday against the Islanders. He is deemed as just a laceration. No word on whether it is a concussion or not. The, the Flyers did not practice today, so there was no updated medical uh, on anybody. And uh, tomorrow we'll probably hear more, but... Patrick going down is kind of unfortunate. You know, he really has kind of found his game lately. He's still not producing a whole lot of offense, but his overall play has stepped up. It, it's going to be hard if they lose him for any period of time, not only because of his play, but because their center depth is weak. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, losing a guy like uh, Voracek, who they're saying is day-to-day, that's a that's a big friggin' deal, and I'll get back to that in a second, but losing a guy like Patrick, like who comes up to play center? That's I think that's a bigger deal losing a guy like Nolan Patrick down the middle, especially when it seemed like him and TK were starting to get some chemistry on the, what were they playing, second or third line? I think it was the second, right? I believe they're in the third line, actually. Third line? Second, third, one of the two. Yes, I mean, uh, it it is a shame, especially when it looked like he was picking up some confidence. He's not producing points-wise, but he uh, he is making a difference, a positive difference on the ice. So that's unfortunate. Uh... For them not to announce anything and for him not to come back to the game because of a, a laceration, uh, I'm going to assume that you know there could be a concussion there, but that's just an assumption. Well, you mentioned the other guy, Jake Voracek, who really has been playing well. He has three goals and six assists in his last four games. Went down with a foot injury. The rumor was that it was a broken toe or broken bone in his foot. 
listed as day-to-day, heard it could be three weeks. Now, obviously, again, we'll hear more about this tomorrow, but I guess it could be more of a pain tolerance as to when he comes back. But that's a big loss. You know, when Voracek is finally getting his shit together and playing like he's playing, you know, producing the offense and kind of taking a little bit more of that, you know, offensive responsibility and uh, kind of helping carry this team. That's a big loss. You know, usually Jake Voracek, when he's out there turning the puck over, it's like, fine, get him out of the lineup for a few games. But when he's playing the way he is now, it sucks that they lost him. Yeah. And, you know, coming out of the break, Voracek was one of the guys who I think really needed to turn his season around for the Flyers to make any kind of playoff push or, or just to just to improve on their season and he really has you know you mentioned three goals six assists uh, since the Pittsburgh game I think that's a span of four or five games for for Jake uh, the last two months which was a total of 26 games he has eight goals and 18 assists I, I, that's a my math is not great but I'm pretty sure that's a point per game uh, player right there <laughs> Uh, I mean, what more can you really ask for from a guy like Voracek? Uh, I don't think that he's really a point-per-game guy. Um, but through the last two months, he's been almost as consistent as consistent can be. Like, you can't really ask for more from Jake Voracek. I mean, maybe stop turning the puck over so much, but you know, at least he's putting up points to cancel out some of the negative there. So it, that is going to be a tough loss, I think, for the Flyers. It should be interesting to see uh, how they how can adapt to that moving forward. Yeah, Jake Voracek has 18 goals and 41 assists through 65 games. That's good for 59 points. He's on pace for his, well, was on pace for his third consecutive 20-goal season. You know, he will probably finish somewhere between his usual 60 to 80 points. Again, depending on how long he misses, he could very well be out the rest of the season uh, if this is a serious injury, which is unfortunate. But, you know, one injury is hard. Losing both Patrick and Voracek at the same time, Man, it's just, they just don't have the depth to really kind of replenish their lineup in this situation. And uh, I think, especially now, you know, the playoffs are still a long shot, but they're, they're you know, they're fighting. They're fighting till the last possible, till they're mathematically eliminated. That seems like they're going to fight. And now all of a sudden it's like, man, things are looking, things are looking rough if both of these guys miss significant time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, throughout the course of this year, we've been, I mean, at least for the second half, we've been, you know, are they going to make the playoff push? Like, they're doing great. You know, when when are they going to stop? And they just keep going, and we forgot that, you know, injuries could happen. And all of a sudden, we have two major ones in, in one game, and it's kind of like, oh, shit, you know. This can only keep going for so long. You know, they, they've managed to stay healthy and put some wins together, and now here's some injury adversity, and it just happens to be on the offensive end. Um, where their their depth is you know not as deep as it is defensively you know they're they're dressing eight defensemen and they're all freaking healthy you know uh, so it's a shame that uh, especially a guy like Voracek who who's having a monster second half uh, and a guy like Patrick who for whatever reason man just these these freak injuries just keep popping up you know and it's it's uh, if if he's out for a couple games that that's going to worry me a little bit because if he if he has to uh, miss let's say a week to 10 days, I, I might just keep him out of the lineup, you know, and uh, just, just let him get his, get his stuff together. It's going to take him a little while to get going once he comes back, if he misses some time. Well, there is one other player that is injured. The 20 year old phenom Carter Hart has been out for over a week now. The original diagnosis was 10 days. I believe 10 days would be up tomorrow. Uh, still no word from him. I don't think he's been practicing. Though, they have surprisingly 
held down the fort. Brian Elliott has done pretty decent. He's played three games. He had a 944 save percentage against Buffalo. He had a 900 against Columbus and a 967 against the Islanders, uh, allowing uh, four, five, six, seven goals in that time on uh, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about 100 shots-ish. So I'm surprised that Elliott has been playing this well. I think Elliott's always been a guy that, is just a good, accountable guy when he's healthy. He can go out there and just play some decent games. It worries me that they're going to play Elliott this hard already, that they're, they've are they given him three of the last four coming off of a, a season-long injury. You know, this is not adding up well for, you know, what has been a rough tandem this year. But I think Elliott is a guy that can at least hold down the fort while they're waiting for Hart to get back. Man, squeeze whatever juice is left out of that lemon, man. <laughs> it ain't going to be around. At least I hope it's not going to be around much longer. Um, but having said that, like I, I have to give credit where, where credit is due. Uh, since Elliot came back, he has, get this, uh, .938 save percentage, which is pretty damn good for any goalie. And for Brian Elliott, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so he's given up only three-plus goals twice. It just so happened to be... Uh, both games went to overtime, and one was a loss to Columbus. The other one was the outdoor game. Um, both games, he gave up some weird goals, but you know it's it's tough to ask for more uh, from a guy like Brian Elliott, who you know for the for most of his career in Philly, and you know I wasn't one of the guys that was excited when we signed him. I was never a Brian Elliott guy. Yeah, nor was I. Yeah, so I've been pretty down on him the, the whole time he's been here. But point nine three eight is that's that's pretty good, and and. You know, it, it, this is that time of the year where you need a goalie to step up and the phenom goes down. Um, so props to Brian Elliott. Um, Max Talbot stepping in for a game. Uh, it didn't look too bad. I mean, it, that was his first game in what, dude? Like two weeks? Uh, something like that. Like, it, I still don't understand that. Just thinking about that stuff still gets me angry. Like, <laughs> why did we have to make that trade right there so that we can play uh, Cam Talbot in two weeks uh, it was his first game in almost a month his last game yeah. was february 9th and oh my god man that's insane I, w- I would just love to hear the explanation for why they had to do that trade that night you know because that really did that fucked everything that, that up. trade almost cost them the season yeah they they had played carter hart the back-to-back against detroit the two nights following then they forced him out there against tampa bay and forced him out there against montreal and that almost blew the season I want to know why it had to be that night. Like, what was going on? Like, what happened that we needed to trade, you know, Stolarz for for uh, Talbot on a Friday night uh, in February? You know what I mean? Like, it was yep. a couple weeks till the trade deadline. Ah, I could go off on that, dude. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cam Talbot did make his much-anticipated debut. He had a 909 save percentage. He's had three uh, three goals on 33 shots against New Jersey. That game was scrappy, so it wasn't necessarily the most clean hockey game uh, in terms of you know a performance from him. But I still don't understand why they're not playing him. I, I get that they're gonna again they're gonna ride this playoff you know chance until they're mathematically eliminated, which is fine in a way. But like, dude, if they think Talbot's gonna be the guy in the future, play the damn guy. Yeah, well, I 100% agree. Why the hell would you trade for somebody and then not play him? You're going to acquire him to be the backup to the backup while your starter's <laughs> hurt. Like, why? Why not just keep Anthony Stolarz? Yeah, I, I don't understand that. <sighs> either, man. Yep. God, that trade. I really got to talk to Chuck about that. Yeah, we got to have a sit-down interview with him some night. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned defense. One of the guys that is finally kind of having his own little breakout here, he's really done well ever since Dave Haxtell was axed. Travis Sandheim, he's on a five-game point streak. He has four goals and six assists in his last ten games overall. His play is really kind of driving the defense right now, and he really is showing that he can develop into that two-way kind of D-man that they really need back there. Sandheim's an absolute stud. I love what I'm seeing from him. Um, ever since when, – when did he score? He scored against somebody in OT. I think it was uh, Boston back at end of January. Um, that's when, for, at least for me, that I've really seen Travis Konechny kind of come out of his shell a little bit. Uh, you could see the coaching staff trusting him on, on power plays, on three-on-threes in overtime. When, when Hackstall, he couldn't even get 15 minutes under Hackstall. He was on the third line. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? So these new guys come on, and all of a sudden Travis Sanheim's a stud? Like, that that just pisses me off even more about Hackstall and Hackstall with their fucking bullshit, man. Um, Sanheim's an absolute stud, and, and we're finally seeing it. I'm so I'm so glad that, you know, he, he's coming out of his shell uh, he's got points in, and how many, how many games in a row now? Three, four, five games in a row points, five straight and, uh, 10 points in his last 10 games. Uh, like for a defense, me did 20, 21, 22, 22 year old kid is doing this. Um, he'll be 23 March 29th, by the way. So happy birthday, Travis saying, <laughs> but I love what I'm seeing. And, and, you know, he could easily be, uh, and I know we still have Ivan Provorov and, and Shane Gossespierre and Phil Myers is here now, but Travis Sanheim could possibly be the Flyers' most complete defenseman uh, right now, at least. Under Haxtell, he was getting about 14 minutes a game, and lately he's been seeing 23 and 24. That's insane, man, and he deserves it too. Good for him. Good for Travis Sanheim. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is... This has been something we've been talking about for weeks, you know, kind of Shane Gossespierre not living up to what he can do, and Ivan Provorov has had a rough season. You know, Phil Myers looks good, but, you know, there's just not enough seasoning there to really tell what he is yet. The fact that Sanheim continues to grow is one of the things that I think um, uh, Scott Gordon has done right thus far is just kind of letting him play and let him do his thing and uh it's really it's it he's proven himself and i think if he continues to show this kind of offense moving forward you know it, it's going to be a good thing for next season and, and uh hopefully now that he's got you know a legitimate shot you know whether it's with gordon or whoever next season uh i, I think this is going to be a guy that they the league is really gonna have to put on notice i think he's going to be a, a a star in the next few years i 100 percent agree and, and- you know, a, a couple of years ago, I remember uh, sitting on the couch watching like the New York Rangers beat up the Flyers, and um, you know they had guys like McDonough and uh, I'm going to mention Michael Delzada. He was actually decent at one point. Um, you know, guys like Dan Girardi. They had a, a couple puck moving defensemen, and I'm like, damn, you know, that's what the Flyers have to do. They have to draft young puck moving defensemen. Uh, they need to draft a goalie somehow, and. You know, this was a couple years ago while the Rangers were in their heyday. The Flyers have done that, right? They've built from the back. They have their stud goalie. They have the puck moving two-way defenseman. Like, we're going to win a cup. Like, it's coming. And I know, you know, I'm getting I'm getting excited over here. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But they're built to win a cup, finally. It just So when I see guys like Travis Sanheim finally putting shit together, I get excited because it's coming, you know? Well, the guy that they're going to need to help 
put that cup together is going to be the captain, Claude Giroux. He has two goals and seven assists uh, He has a, in that last five games, which is a point streak. Giroux has kind of been the ageless wonder thus far, continues to be the leader on this team. He has 19 goals and 51 assists this season, over a point-per-game pace. You know, it's unfortunate that they wasted another year of his career, but the fact that he's going to put up, you know, probably 75 to 80 points by the time the season is over, it's going to be a drop from his 102 last year, but, you know, given how much this team has struggled overall this year, the fact that he's going to put up some decent numbers is still a good sign that, you know, he's still going to be a building block for this team for at least a couple more years. Yeah, and you know what? And tell me if I'm wrong because maybe it's possible that I haven't watched as close as I have this year. But does Giroux kind of seem to be like, you know, coaching the younger guys out on the ice a little bit more or communicating a little bit more? Has he? From what I've seen, he does that? seem to be. I think he's always been a very vocal player, but he definitely does seem to uh, to be out there, especially for the kids lately. Yeah, and I think that's a huge deal because in the past, and I'm not saying anything negative about Giroux. Um, uh, and maybe people will take this negative negatively, but I always kind of sensed a bit of immaturity there where uh, he didn't fully understand, you know, how to be a leader or a captain. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way, guys, like it's OK to be, you know, still have room to grow into a role. Uh, does that make sense? Yep. Um, so uh, in the past, it looked like, OK, he doesn't realize this yet or he doesn't get this yet. Um, you know, when you're, when you're 28 years old, 29 years old, I think you're still a kid and it's not to say all of a sudden 30 years old, you're a grown man, but, uh, everybody kind of develops a little bit slowly mentally as well as physically. And I think for, for G, he finally realized that he has to take this upon himself to move these younger guys along, to make sure they understand what they're seeing on the ice um, and not just ex- expect them to because they're, you know, they're playing on an NHL club. This is all just my opinion, by the way, guys. Like, it's just from what I see. Um, it seems like he's trying to make sure everybody's on the same page now. And I think, um, you know, where the close-knit team aspect comes from, I think Giroux has a lot to do with that now. Um, so besides what he's putting up numbers-wise on the ice – I think he has a lot to do with what's happening in in the dressing room and the locker room and and making sure guys like Patrick and and Konechny know that they have roles on this team and you know it's time to step up now they're in the NHL it's not it's not a AHL or juniors whatever it's it's time to get going and I like what I'm seeing from Giroux. Well the Flyers playoff odds are at 5.8% as of tonight. The Good reason bro. they are still Thus low is because the teams that are in front of them have given them absolutely no help. Uh, in their last twenty games, Carolina is fourteen five and one. Penguins are eight nine and three, but they are kind of exempt because they had a really good first couple months of the season. And the Blue Jackets are eleven and nine. You know, it is just. <laughs> last season they made the playoffs. The Flyers snuck into the playoffs because they got a whole bunch of help. There was quite a few teams uh, around them that that struggled late, and they were able to sneak their way in. This season, the three teams in front of them are all playing well enough to keep that lead. And, you know, they are five points away from the second wildcard spot, which, you know, they've essentially been five to seven points away for, you know, at least a month and a half now. 
So it's just, it sucks that they can't seem to get any closer. But, you know, the Penguins have struggled a little lately. The Blue Jackets aren't doing as well as everybody thought they would after their additions, which is freaking hilarious. I, I, there are, <laughs> There is a chance that, you know, if one of these teams does falter, the Flyers could potentially sneak in and take their place. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Like with a team like Columbus, adding so many players at, all at once, uh, I don't think it's always a positive thing because you have to worry about chemistry. You got to worry about locker room um, chemistry, things like that. Or, you know, uh, I, I was watching, I think, Nashville, for example, last night, and they had uh, Granlin and Simmons on the same power play. And it's like, you know, these guys don't even know their uh, teammates, let alone each other. Like, uh, there has to be some sort of chemistry. I think especially for this time of the year where, you know, everybody's about the same amount of games, 65, 66 games through the season. Uh, they've had, a, I don't know, when the hell does the season start? They've had five, six months to gel. They've pretty much figured each other out. You throw three guys in there starting right away and Duchesne, the Zingle, and, and McQuaid. And now your team has to figure these guys out and they have to figure you out. So, uh, I know these are skilled players and they'll put up points and it may not impact them that much to where they miss the playoffs, but I, they may just barely get in if they get in. Do you know what I mean there? It could yep. be a negative thing. And I would love it if it was. How funny would that be to just see Columbus miss the playoffs after all that? You know, as a Flyers fan, you always want to see the Penguins fail. And I think them missing the playoffs would be great, but the inner anarchist in me would just love the Blue Jackets to miss. Oh. <laughs> It would just, they were, think they're so good and they're going to lose all these players in the summer. And it's just like, oh, man. You know, they would I, fire after all sitting that back and watching, you know, Rome Byrne playing my fiddle would just be fantastic. <laughs> That's oh. a great image. You play the fiddle? I used to when I was a kid, not recently. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact about Dan the Flyer fan. Yeah, so I mean, I think Columbus, I have a feeling that they, they will miss. Um, I think Bobrovsky kind of cracks under pressure and, you know, all the other reasons that we mentioned. Uh, and Pittsburgh, you know, like, they're they're kind of beat up. I'm not sure if Latang has come back. Have you seen, have you, have you been watching them at all? Uh, um, I have not, but I can Google it. I know um, Dumoulin, I think, is still out. So that's, that's two guys. They added friggin' Good Bronson who, who blows. Um <laughs> <laughs> Like, you, it just added a warm body. Like, cool. No, uh, Latang has not played since the outdoor game. Okay, so they're still missing, too. I saw a guy like Rue Weedle out. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Rust is out also. Uh, so they're missing four guys from their starting lineup, and they added a douche in, in Good Bronson. Um, I think the Penguins could slip out. And, you know, that's the team that I, I would watch. I haven't really paid attention to Montreal as much. I know they're four and six in their last ten, and they blew the doors off the Flyers. So, um, but they they are a young team also. Besides Shea Weber, like they don't really have, you know, I don't think anybody really expected Montreal to have the year they're having. So, I mean, they could be a team to watch as well. Maybe they fizzle out. Um, but a team that I don't see missing the playoffs is Carolina, man. And in, in the beginning of the year. Uh, people were saying this team's for real, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm sitting over there making fun of them because of the stuff they do after the game. And, dude, Rob Brindamore has got those guys playing some hockey, man. Yes. Uh, like, they, they shut you down, like, all game long. Like, once they go up on you, one or two goals, that's the end of the game, man. And friggin' Peter Morazic, 
is playing out of his mind. Yeah, where was this guy last year? Seriously, dude, it's like the Flyers' curse. Yeah. Pittsburgh just beat Montreal on Saturday, so that doesn't help them. Canadians have 77 points in 66 games. They are still on a technicality in the first wild card spot because they have more wins than the Penguins. Penguins have uh, 77 points in 65 games, but they only have 34 wins. So it's it's an interesting one. I would love to see Carolina win. You know, they would be my playoff team. I, they've always kind of been my my second favorite team. So that would be a uh, it would be nice to have a team to root for. Usually when the playoffs start, it's like man, there's nobody left. So, uh, you know, obviously Nashville with Wayne Simmons and then my uh, favorite Carolina Hurricanes would be in as well. You love Carolina. I do. I always have. (laughs) I don't know why. They've just always been, ever since I was a kid, I like the Hurricanes. You love their little celebrations after too, don't you? I do. I don't care what what Don Cherry says. (laughs) What did you think about Evander Holyfield? Did you see that one? I did, yes. Was that one of your faves? I know it was. It was. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says. I like what they do. People are allowed to have fun. This is hockey. I haven't had hey, fun whatever. watching the Flyers in fucking 10 years. <laughs> Let us have something here. Whatever, man. Whatever floats anybody's boat. I don't care. Ah, so, yes, uh, Carolina is currently sitting in the third Metro spot there, one point up on the Penguins. I, I you know, like I guess I don't think the Flyers are going to make the playoffs. I I'm just hate to be that pessimistic guy. Heaven forbid I'd be negative on the anger negative show. You mean you're a negative guy in Philadelphia? What the hell? Yeah, what the hell? But, uh, you know, I, I would really, I think uh, Montreal and Pittsburgh making it and Blue Jackets not making it would be fantastic. You know, the Canadians have been really performing well this year. They weren't really expected to. Carey Price has regained form for the most part. And, you know, ever since Shea Weber came back, they've really been tearing it up. So that's I think good. that's good. I think, quite frankly, if, let's let's say the Flyers do make it into the second wild card spot. They have to play Tampa in the first round. That would be... I mean, that's a fucking death sentence. I don't care who they play. You know, whether it's Pittsburgh or Carolina or Columbus, they're not going to make it past Tampa. No way. Hey, man, it's possible they can get that first wild card spot. You know, there's three teams within a point of each other. And for me, I think Carolina is just going to keep winning. So I'm only going to focus on, obviously, the one and two spots. And I, I can see that, you know, it's possible to get that number one spot right now. They're, they're five points out. Flyers have 16 games left. Uh, Montreal has 16 and Pittsburgh has 17. It, it is possible that one of those two teams goes on a little bit of a skid. Um, I'm looking at, I didn't look at Montreal's schedule, but I did, I do have the Penguins' schedule here. And I, I'll just give you their next five. They're, they're, they're at home against Florida. They're at home against Columbus. They're away against Columbus. And then, uh, they're at home against Boston and Washington. Um, they could easily lose uh, they could they could possibly lose four out of five of those games. Well, the first place uh, in the Metro, which would be the uh, would face the first wild card spot, would be the Capitals at the moment. Correct. They are two points up on the Islanders. With uh, the Islanders have one game in hand on them. So, and we got three games coming up against Washington. Uh, two at home. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Flyers' upcoming schedule. They play the Capitals on Wednesday. Uh, in Pitts, or in uh, Philadelphia, rather, they play the Islanders on Saturday, fly or the Senators on Monday, the Capitals again, Leafs, Penguins, Canadians, Blackhawks, Islanders, Capitals, Leafs, Hurricanes, Rangers, Stars, Blues, Hurricanes. That is a very rough schedule because I believe most of these teams, besides the 
Rangers are in pl- a playoff spot at the moment. And Senators. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you know, it's it's pretty easy to look at the schedule and say, oof, you know, that's that's a bad thing. That's a tough schedule. But don't you kind of want that? You know, if, if you're really going to make a playoff push, don't you want it to be against, you know, high-octane uh, playoff teams to kind of prepare you for the playoffs a little bit? You know, I'm trying to put a positive spin on that. Um, because I, you know, I thought the same thing, like, damn it, like we couldn't get a couple easy games down the stretch here. Um, but, uh, you know, if you play a team like Washington, who is not the same team as last year and the Flyers always play them, I think pretty well, especially, uh, at home. So two out of three at home against Washington. Um, and you mentioned New York Saturday and the Flyers look pretty good against them. So I imagine, you know, New York will come back looking for some revenge there. Uh, Ottawa should be a win. Uh, I think I saw them play Ottawa twice this year, and or, or once maybe it was, and, and they, they looked pretty horrible. That was under Hackstall still. Um, so I, I have the Flyers going 11-3-2 and two out of these last uh, 16 games, is it, 17 games? Far more optimistic than me. Yeah, and, Ooh, and you know what? I have them losing to the Maple Leafs twice, so they're losing to one team twice out of those three losses. Uh, and I have them losing to St. Louis towards the end there in regulation. Other than that, I, I have them, you know, because th- they can play with a lot of these teams. You know, Montreal, they, they owe Montreal for that ass whooping. That was embarrassing. They got a late. I think they were getting late in the second period. And that pisses me off, man. Well, let's let's assume Brian Elliott, you know, has to at least finish out this week. Uh. You know, do you trust Brian Elliott to go, or do you say, Kim Talbot, get your ass in there and actually work? Dude, I forgot that Brian Elliott is still our goal. <laughs> While I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, Oops. yeah, we can win this game. We can win that game. And then you're like, oh, Brian Elliott. I forgot, man. Shit. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it would be like another thing to pick which game he's going to get hurt in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck. We'll yeah. So. Maybe maybe we will see Cam Talbot down the stretch here, and maybe we'll see a little bit of Alex Lyon too. Who knows? Because I think I don't oh, think we're going to see Carter. <laughs> Dude, I don't think we're going to see Carter Hart again. I just have that hunch like he could be done. Because all, all's quiet, you know. We haven't gotten any updates or anything. I mean, the Stadium Series game is over a week now. I mean, it's said what a week to ten days. It's been just about ten days. So we should hear something days, soon. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's certainly not. Again, their playoff hopes are slim. They're five point eight percent chance. I believe they're the highest percentage team that isn't in the immediate hunt. If that makes sense, I, uh, NHL playoff. Spell that right. Playoff odds. Uh, I believe they're. Yeah. The team in front of them would be Colorado as a 38% chance. And the team below them, Edmonton, with 2.2. Ottawa has been officially eliminated. So crazy. They're, they're, there's a big gap there. They would be the team that's kind of on the verge. At this point, though, you know, unless, again, we just talked about it, unless one of these teams in front of them being, you know, whether it be Columbus, Pittsburgh, uh, Montreal, uh, Carolina, falters, this is going to be rough. You know, they're going to need a couple of these teams to start taking some losses. Obviously, Pittsburgh is the injuries. You know, they haven't played very well over the last few games. And then Columbus is just a dumpster fire, as they usually are. So, I mean, it's not impossible, but the Flyers have to win essentially every game from here on out, and everybody else has to lose quite a few as well. So, 
again, there's a part of me that wants to be like, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, let's go. And then there's the other part of me that goes like, don't get your hopes up because they're going to fuck it up sooner or later. Like, you sound like every every Flyers fan in the, in the uh, whatever you want to call it, dude. That's what that's what we're all thinking, you know. But um, you know, when, this year I'm I'm kind of like, you know what? Like I want to have fun watching the Flyers again. So, and I want them to win every game. I've said it before. I expect them to go 82 and 0. So down this stretch, I expect them to go 16 and 0. You know, I even I gave them a couple losses in there just to be realistic, but. You know, they're playing well. Uh, I would love for them to make the playoffs. I hope it's not against Tampa Bay because that would be pretty dumb to do all that work just to get your ass whooped like that. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, thinking thinking about it like that is like, okay, guys, maybe don't maybe don't make it. But, yeah, one thing, one more thing I wanted to point out is the Flyers' uh, regulation wins. Uh, I think, you know, if, if they do end up in a tie with somebody, I'm not sure if that's the first tiebreaker, but – they only have 30 regula- regulation or overtime wins. And I'm looking at Columbus, who has 36. Montreal and Pittsburgh both, ha- both have 33. Um, so, they, you know, they're going to have to win a lot of these games in, in regulation and hope that either Montreal or Pittsburgh, you know, lose some. And they definitely have to pass Columbus because they ain't going to catch them in regulation uh, wins. The Tampa Bay Lightning are 50-12-4 on the season. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's insane, man. Kucherov's got over how many points has he got now? I believe he's over eighty. Way over hundred now. Nikita Kucherov. He is at where the fuck is his page? There it is. Uh, one hundred and six points, thirty-one goals, seventy-five assists, and sixty-six games. Holy shit, dude! I I can't even do that in NHL. Eat your heart out, McDavid. Seriously, man, in 66 games. That's crazy. My math is bad, but that's plus 40 points, right? Something like that, yeah. Could you imagine? Jeez. Uh, Braden Point is having an outstanding year as well. 80 points in 64 games. I didn't think he was ever going to be that kind of player. I figured maybe. Neither did I. I thought he would be a a solid middle six guy, but man, he is. He's just. He's the Swiss Army knife down there. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's going to score 40 goals this year. Jesus, God. And then it dro- it Can't really wait till they get eliminated in the first round. Yeah, you know they're not winning the Stanley Cup. Right? <laughs> there's no like, way. There's no way. Like, they're going to take the, pedal, uh, the foot off the pedal a little bit. If Columbus misses and then Tampa gets eliminated in like the first or second round, it, it would just be the perfect season. Perfect season. Yeah, it really would be. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if they have the kind of team that can play physically physical against uh you know against who 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 got them last year was it the capitals was it the capitals or was it the devils oh my god was it the devils you you might be i, I think know they, they played the devils but i don't remember if the devils beat them or not 2018 nhl playoffs uh dun, 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 dun. let's see here stanley cup final no a little before that like I'm looking down there. Oh yeah, it was the Capitals. That's right. Yeah, Eastern Conference they, Final. Yeah. They don't have anybody on their roster that I that I'm that you know. They didn't play the Devils. Gonna scare Tom Wilson. Uh, they did play the Devils. Looks like Lightning beat them four to one. Oops. Was it four one? It must have been a year before because I, I I remember the Devils giving them a a fight one year. Hmm. Maybe it was last year and they just didn't win a whole lot of games. Could have been. Hmm. 
Oh, well. Well, we talked about the Flyers' upcoming games. Obviously, it is going to be a crazy week. Capitals on Wednesday, Flyer, or Islanders on Saturday, Senators on Monday. Probably their last uh, you know, easy game of the season will be against the Senators, though that says trap game if I've ever seen one. You know, it, it, I think... I, they have a chance. Uh, they just need to keep winning. And, you know, it sounds, again, it's something we've been talking about basically since the show started was, you know, they just they just got to keep winning. And uh, it's going to be a uh, going to be a little tough stretch here. I think if they falter in any of these games for any reason, it, it just it really hurts them. So they need to keep winning. They need to find some help around them. Uh, hopefully they can do it this week. I think, you know, hopefully Elliot and Talbot, can continue their stretch. Hopefully Talbot gets some chances. As much as I don't like him, I think it's time to let him play. Hopefully the greatest defenseman of all time, Sammy Moran, finds his way back in the lineup because this is bullshit. Seriously. How do you let somebody like that sit Get the the hell Andy McDonald out of there and give him a shot. He could have been perfect for the New Jersey game, and not just because it was physical, but uh, they're, they're basically starting half an AHL roster. Like, why can't Moran get in a game like that? I don't know. Again, this is this isn't totally on Gordon because you know Hextall failed for years to see what this kid has. But like, you know, give him a chance, throw him in there for a game or two at least. Let him see what he has. I just, you know, what you could do like a Sam Moran watch over here. Like we have the there's they're down to the last fifteen games. You know, let's see what game you think he's going to get in. You know, they have a lot of tough physical games coming up. Maybe Ottawa. That'd be. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Uh, you got a couple Washington games in there. You got you, they're going to need a guy like Sam Moran when they play Washington. Now that I think about it, yes. You know, put Toronto, Tom Wilson in his place. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They have a they what one game against the Penguins. They could do that. Left. Yep. They got crush some of Genny Malkin's face. Make him even uglier. Oh my God! They'll make him prettier. <laughs> Yeah, they get not much more you can do to that face. <laughs> uh, gonna be a gonna be a bit of a rough stretch here, but uh, hopefully when we meet again next week, we will be just as happy, and uh, they keep winning some games. Um, you got any uh, any plugs to get on, Jim? Um, uh, nothing crazy. I mean, we have HW Radio coming up Thursday. Uh, we we I just started a, a giveaway. It's going to be an autographed uh, Flyers picture. Um, so if you guys see my tweet out there, make sure you retweet it. You can follow me at Jim underscore HW radio. And, uh, yeah, let me see what else. To, oh, I, I started a new show on flyers related, but it's called seriously. Uh, what the fuck? You can find it on Tuesdays. Uh, we're, we're recording Wednesday this week, but you know, if, if you guys, uh, if you're interested in something other than hockey, if, if stuff pisses you off throughout the course of your day, uh, give that show a follow and, and, and DM me for your, what the fuck moments. I think the only thing I say what the fuck to during the day generally is the Flyers. There you go, man. DM me and let's talk about it. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at DanTheFlyerAFan. You can find the site at BrotherlyPuck, BrotherlyPuck.com. You can find this show as well as all the other shows at Brotherly underscore pod. If you want to count down Carter Hart's wins with me, even though he's not playing right now, you can do that at Hart Countdown on Twitter. I will be back Thursday night for a new episode of Brotherly Pod with Philly Sports Network's Jamie Baskow, as well as always next year podcast Shane Mead. We will talk the Flyers. We'll probably talk a little bit of the Phillies as well. 
Um, I will, the OMB podcast returns next Tuesday. I believe that is the 12th with special guest Johan Gartner of FlyersNation.com. Uh, Brotherly Puck, you can find the Peter Forsberg biography that I wrote. That is up there now. That is the first of many, many biographies I have already written and will continue to write. That will be up weekly during the summer on BrotherlyPuck.com. Just want to put one up now as a teaser to see what everybody's, uh, everybody's opinion of it are. Uh, pretty good reviews thus far, which is good. I completely butchered the trade earlier, but hey, how am I supposed to remember all this stuff? Uh, yes, I'll be back Thursday night. Jim and I will return sometime next week. Until then, see you later.